You're listening to the Sportsman's Empire Podcast Network brought to you by Full Sneak Gear. Check out their entire lineup at fullsneakgear.com. Also be sure to check out our entire stable of podcasts at sportsmansempire.com. New from Moultrie Mobile, the Feed Hub offers first-of-its-kind cellular connection and control for nearly any spin cast feeder on the market. When used with the Moultrie Mobile app, you can monitor feed and battery levels, run feeders on demand, receive alerts when feeders are clogged, and remotely adjust feeding times. The Feed Hub is ideal for anyone who maintains feeders. Remove the guesswork and save time by planning feeder maintenance before you drive to your hunting property. For more information, visit MoultrieMobile.com. You're listening to the Sportsman's Nation Podcast Network brought to you by Lacrosse Boots. Now, Lacrosse is at it again with a new line of lace-up hunting boots, the Navigator Series. And in that Navigator Series, there are two models. There's the Atlas for men and the Windrose for both men and women. To find out more information about this new Navigator Series, visit lacrossefootwear.com. That's what I call pro talk. When you really don't know the answer, you just make it up. My rut is that I am in a rut. To get the pilot of Red Arrow going. There's really a way to skip class. I want to say, hey, those boys right there in the <laughs> That's the nicest thing anybody's ever said on this podcast. Alex Rutledge here with American Roots Outdoors TV. Hey, this is Lee and Tiffany Lukowski from the Crest TV. Hi, I'm Don Higgins. This is Jeff Lindsay. Hey, everybody, this is Mark Dury with Dury Outdoors. Hey, this is Craig Fitz with Crane Assassins TV. You're listening to Dave and JP on Pro Talk Outdoors, the craziest two I know. Hey everybody, welcome to Pro Talk Outdoors. We've been talking about the rut a little bit lately, and here we are smack in basically the the heat of the pre-rut right now. I mean, it, the big bucks are starting to get on their feet. Some states, they've already been on it. In our area, southern Indiana, northern Kentucky, the two areas that we hunt, uh, it's been the little bucks all weekend. We hunted pretty much all day sits the entire time for three days. Uh, and now you're looking at some of the bigger bucks are starting to get on their feet, and you had a great encounter today. Man, I tell you what, it's been it's been pretty awesome so far the month of November. Um, and a lot I, of I, a lot of activity. Man. Yeah, you know, and, and we've talked on this podcast. It's been like we've been lamenting all all year leading up to uh, to this point it's like man this sucks you know it just sucks it's so hot and it's dry and the crops were terrible yeah the crops were terrible our food plot struggle which i got to tell you right now what a bounce back what a comeback for the real world hey food don't plots. call it a comeback it never left it, it never left i, I the deadly you know, doesn't shame on me for ever doubting it because yeah. Well, and it, and it wasn't a fault of the plot itself or the seed blend. It was just a product of Mother Nature. Yeah, oh, but, yeah. But now it's a testament to that blend that it had the resiliency to come back against all odds. I mean, the, con- <laughs> the yeah. worst possible conditions. Well, I, I was sitting on, um, gosh, it was a, I want to say it was like a mid-October hunt, and uh, it was on the Deadly Dozen plot in Indiana. Um, I was actually filming Savannah, and... Uh, 
I took a picture of our Deadly Dozen food plot, and it looked pretty pathetic. I mean, I'll, I'll be honest with you. I'm not going to hold any punches back. It looked bad. Now, the deer were still eating it, you know, but it yeah. looked really bad. And I posted that on social media. And I think uh, Dwayne Hopkins, who, uh, you know, is uh, mm-hmm. one of the gurus with the seed blend, um, he he said, you know, Mother Nature has to do her part. And and that's true. That's Mother Nature true. does. And But then he he added this little caveat at the end. He said... That will continue to grow even after some frost if it gets some rain. Man, was he right. Because oh, yeah. those things, I mean, they've greened up and lushed up, and they're beautiful. And, and uh... Mine in Indiana looks tremendous. Now, granted, unfortunately, EHD has taken a lot of the herd out, and I think that helps. <laughs> well, there's no I mean, deer eating it. I mean, it, it, it's so <laughs> lush. I mean, in any other circumstance, I'd think, oh, my gosh, I've got to go sit there this weekend. But, yeah we got some big bucks in Kentucky and almost no bucks at all in Indiana. Yeah, it's so. it's really hard to sit in Indiana right now when you got such a uh, – It's, uh, it's going to be a late-season deal there. But the food plots will come back into play yeah. in, the, in late November, granted that we get an opportunity on some mature bucks in Kentucky. Otherwise, you know, we may not get back around to hunting Indiana much. Uh, I hear you. I, I totally went off on a tangent there whenever I started talking about the food plots. But, yeah, so – you know, November rolls around, and man, it was like a light switch. That first of November, we had that front come in. I mean, it was the the weather it was ten degrees below the the norm temperature, and I remember I set first of uh, November, and just had a zoo. I mean, it was uh, I did a lot of rattling, which is totally out of my norm. I don't. I'm not one. You to have call. been doing a lot. No, you're not a caller. I I've, I've just haven't been doing that. But man, it was like I, I remember um, I rattled four times before one o'clock and every time that i rattled i had bucks responding i don't rem- i saw something like total in that that first day like 15 different bucks and 20 some does and then we followed up the next day same kind of deal 11 12 bucks and uh it's just been great but this morning you know most of those i saw a couple three-year-olds middle of the day but they were just kind of you know they weren't seeking really they just out eating in the clover plot mm-hmm. you know in the middle mm-hmm. of the day uh, but this morning, things were a little different. It was... Um, the worm is starting to turn. Yeah. You know, I, I sit out in the rain for like three hours thanks to the weatherman's inaccuracy. Um, the, last night before I go to bed, it says, you know, it's going to quit raining around 8 o'clock. And I'm thinking, that's perfect. I can slide in there to the corner post stand and get in there really, you know, really quiet, get in there right, perfect wind. And I get in there, and, man, it just rains and rains and rains, and I am freaking cold. I ain't kidding you. Wasn't wearing any rain gear. Um, mm. It was <laughs> it was funny. Uh, old man Eric Sparkman, was uh, who, who finally went out hunting today. No, I'll be damned. Yeah, he got out hunting today, and uh, but he, he texted me. He's like, uh, when's it supposed to? I thought it was supposed to be sunny today. I said, well, you know, I don't know. I guess it was you know, push back a little bit. <laughs> so I'm having all this action, you know, like 11 o'clock. It was firing up, and I was like, hey, you see anything? He says, he said, no, um, I don't have any rain gear, so I'm, I haven't been out yet. I'm waiting until it clears up a little bit. I'm like, I don't have any rain gear either. I'm seeing a lot of deer. <laughs> that's kind of that's kind of the story of 2019, right yeah, there. Yeah, yeah. In a nutshell. <laughs> but uh, it, it was uh, it was it was well worth suffering for a few hours because right after that rain stopped, I mean, it was a light switch. It really is key. Uh, it was textbook. You know, 
Rising rain, barometer. Yeah, rising barometer, rain stops, deer get on their feet, they move. Yeah. And, and that's exactly what happened out there today. Yeah, and I, I'm, I'm really looking forward to hopefully a similar situation on Thursday. It's going to be the first time I get to get back out there, and I'm absolutely itching. My boss today said uh, he was looking at the calendar. We were making some sales plans for upcoming trips. He goes, well, gosh, I don't want to book anything on these days. Aren't you going to be spending Fridays in the woods? And I said, do you not remember how many vacation days that I have that I, I can't? I can't spare them all, you know. I can't use them all right here. I won't have any left. For Maybe it. he was being generous and thinking, hey, well, I'm hey, going to throw you a cookie, man. Hey, I, I, I looked at him. I said, Bob, I'm not here on Friday. If you want to give me more of them off, by all means, you can make them Mondays, Tuesdays, Wednesdays, or Thursdays anytime next week if you'd like. We'll, we'll see how that works out. <laughs> but, hey, speaking of uh, rut tactics and hunts heating up, we're going to have a guy on that we've had on several times before. He's a great friend of the show, good friends to us as people, and uh, – He's one heck of a hunter, and he's had a great week to show for it. We'll be back live with Don Higgins. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to the second segment here on Pro Talk Outdoors. And as we tease, we've got an old friend and uh, a very welcomed guest back on the show in Don Higgins. And uh, if you haven't kept up with Don, but I'm betting if you've listened to our podcast, you probably do keep up with Don uh, quite a bit. The Chasing Giants podcast that released not too long ago has been a huge hit. And uh, if you're listening to us to try to get dirty details on two of the recent bucks that he shot in the last week, we're not going to get in too deep on them. We're going to let Don and Terry talk about it on Chasing Giants. But uh, we are going to have all kinds of good fun and talk more rut tactics here with Don. So first off, hey, welcome to the show again. I think it's been uh, probably about a year, hasn't it? It's been a while. Thanks for having me back, guys. No, no problem at all. And, uh, you know, the the one thing we tease there about the rut report, I know that's uh, something that gets a lot of attention on your social media. Uh, is that something that you always kind of did with your friends before social media was a thing, or uh, was that just solely inspired by people that follow you online? Well, I'll tell you, it, it, what inspired it was – it just seems like each year I had more and more people calling, texting, emailing with uh, what's the status of the rut. You know, a lot of, some guys that live out of state and they're hunting my home state, Illinois, and, uh, and, and most of it was not guys I knew real well. It was just, uh, you know, people that have followed me through my writings and such. And uh, last fall I just decided, you know what, I'm just going to make a daily post about the rut and then all these guys, it'll probably save me a few hundred texts. And <laughs> sure. uh, it just, yeah, it just kind of took off and more than I ever expected. And, you know, I was, I, each day I would post a photo or a short video. And a lot of those were just, uh, well, a lot of the videos were clips I took that day from a stand, you know, of a buck I passed or something, or maybe a trail camera picture that I got, or I tried to keep it interesting. And, you know, it was, so well received a year ago that I decided to do it again and uh you know again this year I'm just shocked at uh, how many new people I think the first uh, three days that the rut report was out I had 700 new followers wow so uh the word's getting out there and and people are are tuning in so I, I'll continue to do it as long as uh, you know people want to hear it or read it yeah it's uh it's it's interesting Don my son-in-law uh Tristan Schaefer he uh he was uh, telling me the other day, he's like, uh, 
well, I don't feel like it's time to be out there just yet. And, and I said, well, yeah, I don't know. It, it hasn't really popped yet. And he said, well, he goes, I'll tell you what to do, Dave. He has, he had no idea. He doesn't really, uh, you know, didn't make the connection between uh, our relationship with Real World and uh, and you. But he said, you gotta you gotta follow that rep report Don Higgins does. He said that's that's <laughs> the thing to follow right there. He said I, I keep an eye on that, and he said that's when I know it's time to go. You know, and and it's funny you mentioned that, Dave. Uh, everybody grasps at straws this time of year, or you know, late October, early November. Any any hunter really, to a certain degree, is grasping at straws. That's the reason they're going out and they're asking their buddies, or they're asking friends or relatives, "Hey, what are you seeing here? What are you seeing there?" They're trying to validate the choices that they're making in the woods. And to see somebody like yourself, Don, that, that has such a, a great rapport and history, and, and obviously, I mean, between the magazines and, and just all the success over the years, they no longer feel like they're grasping at straws when there's something like that that they can go and access. I actually had a, a buddy of mine, it's funny you mention it, Dave, text me on Saturday and said, you know, I've learned so much from that guy, Don Higgins. Uh, isn't, he, isn't he tied in with, with Real World? And I said, yes, actually, I know Don. And uh, we got to talk a little bit about the RET report. So uh, that was that was part of the inspiration to, to bring you on today. And, and I wanted to hear how that all started. And i, I got to ask, is it fun for you, or do you get, you know, a little frustrated or annoyed with some of the response or anything like that, or is it just always a, a fun thing for you? No, I enjoy it. Um you know, occasionally you you get some hater on there that makes a comment that's just totally out of line. But you know, really, for every negative comment, there'll be literally a hundred or more positives. So you can't let you know a few bad apples uh, spoil the whole thing. And um, you know, one thing that I've noticed is that you know, last year when I did the rut report, I, I didn't, I, I'd never seen anyone doing a rut report. But this year, it, it's been copied. I know at least. Uh, I've seen at least two other people doing it, and in fact, Realtree is doing a rut report this year. Hmm. So somebody who was out there watching and was impressed enough that uh, they jumped on the rut report bandwagon, and, and other people are doing it as well. But well, imitation you know, is the, the the greatest form of flattery. Well, you wait till I well, get a hold of uh, Craig Fitz with Realtree because it's funny. Um, I was uh, on Snapchat earlier today, and I, I sent a picture of. Uh, so he sent me a snap, and I sent one back. And of course, I'm wearing my Sitka gear, and uh, he he had some jokes about me wearing Sitka, you know. And uh, I'll get back with him about real tree copy in the rut report. Yeah, you should get a little there barb in there. Yeah, I'm gonna get my digs in. Well, well, Don. Obviously, yeah. the the rut report reveals a lot of of what you're seeing and and what the the area and the landscape is is like for your geography and in your area obviously some folks are going to be seeing different things based on where they hunt but uh, a lot of folks really kind of look at the rut in a compartmentalized fashion and I, I know you and I have talked about this before but just for our listeners how do you describe the phases of the rut and I'm going to just throw a term out there and if you want to correct it go ahead but starting with the the pre-rut for lack of a better phrase moving on through you know the end of november how do you view those phases and what do you call them well i think the rut is very misunderstood by deer hunters and and you know i'm not even sure what what most deer hunters think because you know they think the rut starts at different times and is the rut when you start seeing bucks chasing does? Is it when you start seeing scrapes? Is it when the breeding happens, or, or what is it? In my opinion, the rut is the breeding 
season for the deer. And you've you know broken it down a little bit there. The pre-rut, uh, the pre-rut, I, I guess, would be that period, uh, you know, leading up to the actual breeding. Um, right now, we're in the pre-rut. Um, some guys will move the pre-rut back into October when scrapes start happening and and such. But uh, you know, I've seen scrapes in the summertime uh, that we're hit. I see a lot of scrapes in September, and it's a long way from the breeding season. So. I would move the pre-rut up to that period of time where the bucks uh, start searching for does, uh, you know, where they're actively looking, they're maybe expanding their range a little bit, but the does aren't quite yet, uh, you know, receptive to the bucks. Now, just for generalization purposes now, is that something that you're going to see happen about the same time every year? I mean, I know some of that's going to be weather dependent, but just as a generalization, is that... Is that something you can kind of key in first week in November, uh, kind of getting into that seeking phase where you're at? Yeah, absolutely. The uh, The breeding takes place the same time every year. and In the past, I've seen all kinds of supposed experts throwing out theories that the moon affects the timing of the rut and this and that. It doesn't. You know, I raised captive deer, had a, a research herd of captive deer for 25 years on my farm, and and the fawns were born the same time every year, and that means that does were bred the same time every year. And, in fact, individual does on my farm would come into heat on the same day every year. It was really strange, you know. If a doe came, if an individual doe came in heat on November 10th this year, she would almost, you could just about guarantee within a day or two, she was going to come in heat of that date year after year. And uh, it, it just doesn't change. I don't know what changes is what you actually see, what you witness. Um, you know, the cooler the weather, and usually the more rutting activity you see. But uh, that doesn't change the timing of the rut whatsoever. Okay, so here I'd like to take it a step further. So right now we're we're keying in on the what the kind of the seeking phase, the pre-rut, if you will. What are your thoughts on how do you hunt this phase and what you know are you hunting field edges you you trying to move into funnels give us some kind of generalization or idea of what a guy's hunting strategy should be like and then also things like do you call any you know are you using any kind of sense or anything like that well the 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 very best time to kill a a buck not not necessarily a specific buck but a, the best time to kill a good buck is the last few days of the pre-rut or, or the last few days right before the does are in, coming in heat. In fact, uh, if I had to put my finger on a date, it would be November 7th or 8th. Uh, you get past the 7th and 8th, and there's going to be some does coming in heat, and that's where the biggest bucks in the area are going to be is with those does locked down and not uh, actively searching. They're going to be a whole lot tougher to kill at that point. Um, so where I'm hunting in, in that uh, late pre-rut is in, in the mornings I'm on the downwind edge of doe bedding cover because uh, the bucks are more active, you know, in the morning in, during the rut than they are the evening uh, by a little bit. Um, and, and what they're going to be doing before they go to bed down is they're going to be looking for a girlfriend, and they're going to run the downwind edge of a doe bedding cover where they can scent check uh, for a doe that that's happened to come in heat. 
Um, I, I don't pay any attention whatsoever to sign. In fact, uh, you know, I've I've shot two bucks this week, November 3rd and 4th. And if you would look at the sign around either one of the stands I shot those bucks from, you would be shocked at how little there is. Um, there's just not, uh, there may be a one rub inside of, of both stands. There's not a beat down path. There's not a scrape. Um, it's just uh, hunting terrain and wind. You, you got to be on the downwind edge. It's, you know, a big mistake that uh, deer hunters make is I don't think they realize to the extent that a buck uses his nose. Um, that's how he finds his girlfriend. You know, we use our eyes. Um, a buck uses his nose. So when it comes to using scents and calls and things like that, this is the time of year when they're most effective for sure. I'm not a big fan of it because um, I, I think for every buck that you rattle in or grunt call in, every mature buck, I'm not talking, you know, bucks less than four years old, but I'm talking bucks older than four and a half years old. For every one of them you rattle in, call in, or you sent to, to draw in, you're going to spook off 20 others. Um, those are odds I don't like, so I just leave those those gadgets to everyone else, and I just quietly sit on the downwind edge of the doe bedding cover and let the bucks waltz by. Well, and, and you've got the resume to, to prove for it. I want to go back to, to something you mentioned there about uh, neither one of the stands, you said maybe one rub within eyesight of either one of them and, and really no beat-down path. Uh, to me, what that sounds like, what you're describing, is true woodsmanship. Everyone kind of gets this perception that, oh, you know, when they can pick out the, the white oak from the pin oak from the red oak or, you know, a, a primary run from a secondary run or a nice scrape or a nice rub, you know, those are things that any uh, – almost untrained eye can pick out you know if you've seen it once or twice you can see it anytime it's there but uh, looking at a topographical map or looking at something out of the box and finding a reason that you think it's going to work within the the framework that you imagine is going to be effective for a time of year that's the true woodsmanship so for me over the years listening to you or reading articles from anybody else or or anywhere that I can gather things, it's that kind of stuff that I try to key in on because I've noticed that it, it's more effective. I mean, the buck that I shot last year, by far my best buck ever, was not from identifying a scrape, rub, or run, or anything of that nature. So I, I really love that you, you put it that way. Um, but we did tease at the beginning of this segment, we didn't want to get too far into the details of these two bucks. We want to let you and Terry do that on, on Chasing Giants uh, but we do want to ask, where do these two hunts rank for you? And, and uh, secondly, give you kudos for back-to-back -back hunts, doing it again like you did two years ago. Well, uh, where they rank, I don't know. Every buck special, and um, these aren't neither one of the biggest bucks. They aren't even in my top five, but they're very nice bucks. You know, mature bucks. The one of them's a six-year-old, and the other one's five years old. Um, so, so I, I don't know where they rank. But, but what was the other part of the question? I, it, it's just, I mean, I don't know. I, I guess I lost my second part of the question. Dave, help me out here. What Jake. was the second part of that? <laughs> well, it, it basically, it was like how special the, the hunt was or the fact of being able to do it back-to-back. -back. But um, and, and, Don, I can tell that, you know, in, in reading your rut report, it was almost like you called your shot. You know, the uh, – the day that you you harvested your first buck, which I think would you say that scored like 167 or something like that? Yeah, 
Yep. Yeah, and you even put in your rut report that uh, I might go out to uh, kill one tomorrow, and by golly, you did it. <laughs> so yeah. Now one one thing I do want to point out is they were not consecutive hunts. Um, I shot the first buck on Sunday morning, then I hunted Sunday evening and Monday morning, and then Monday evening um, is when I shot the second one. So there was two hunts. It was consecutive days, but there was a couple of hunts in between those two bucks. Well, if I could ever do that in consecutive uh, yeah. years, I'll, I'll consider myself very, very fortunate. Oh, man, it, it's it's pretty incredible the the way you put that all together. And like Dave said, just the, the calling your shot on the rep report's pretty impressive. Yeah. Now, Don, I'd like to – okay, you mentioned earlier November 7th, 8th, as you, you kind of put that as the tail end of the pre-rut, and, you know, or the chasing phase – or seeking phase, I'm sorry – then you're saying lockdown is going to happen. So what is a what what do you feel like is an effective way to hunt the lockdown? Are you doing the same things that you do during the seeking phase, just hunting downwind doe bedding areas, or how are you keying in on that phase to try to capitalize? Well, I'm probably not a good person to ask because I've had very little success during the lockdown phase. But, uh, you know, most of my big bucks have come – my November bucks have come during the first 11 days of the month. And I've also killed a couple of really good ones at the very end of the the rut around Thanksgiving. But, uh, that middle of the month when them bucks are locked down, I've had very limited success. And I'll bet you, if you would find any very successful deer hunter on, on the planet, he would tell you the same thing. Um, just because those bigger bucks are not moving but what i do one thing i do change as far as far as tactics go is i during the middle part of the month i'll hunt out of the way places because these bucks will run these does out in wide open cornfields and drainage ditches and fence rows and they want to get away from the rest of the herd and so that's kind of what i do as well especially on morning hunts when i can get to these places in the dark you know, without these deer seeing me coming across the open country. And, uh, you know, a lot of times those hunts, you don't see a deer. But uh, when you do, the odds are pretty good that it's going to be a good one. Um, during evenings, I, I just I go back to hunting the feeding areas and, you know, just hoping that a buck shows up and, you know, he's between hot does. Uh, he's just left one. He's looking for the next and hadn't found her yet. So uh, hoping he shows up at the food source in the evening will where all the ladies will be. Well, let's let's key in on the seventh and the eighth for for just a little bit. Uh, the experience I've had the last three years has really made me a believer in those two days in particular. And and I actually said it to to my wife earlier this week that you know I'm just so excited. I took a vacation day for the eighth, and the weather conditions look like they cooperated perfectly. And and she looked at me like I was crazy. She said. Uh, are you seriously telling me right now that you think just November the 8th every year is going to be great and you're going to shoot a big deer? And I said, well, maybe not shoot one, but I think the movement and the activity is going to be good as long as the weather conditions don't supersede it. So, you know, you mentioned that you're you're on that plane of thought as well. I mean, is there any particular uh, way you look at the 7th and the 8th or things you would recommend for anybody that hunts those two days as far as uh, wind direction and things like that go? Do you think you can get away with a little bit more in that time frame, or do you really need to watch your P's and Q's? 
Well, you, you still need to be conscious of your of wind direction. I mean, I, I never compromise the wind. Um, you know, each year I've got in my mind, based on trail cameras and where I found big bucks, I, I've got on mine in mind, you know, two or three or four stands that I, I really want to hunt the seventh and eighth. I always try the seventh and eighth of the days. If you're going to sit all day in a stand, make it those days. Because those are the days when the movement is is, is the best. But uh, you, you know, wind direction you you just can't compromise it. It's it's got to be right. Um, but the thing of it is, uh, the bucks are active all day long. So I you know I try to get in funnel areas, um, just areas where uh, close to the downwind edge of doe bedding areas, for example. Like I talked about before, this is when them bucks are really cruising those areas. And I've had hunts where I wasn't even sitting over a trail. I was just hunting terrain and wind and, you know, had six, eight, nine, ten bucks come by. Now, have you ever tried to hang a stand within the seventh and the eighth? You know, you're just, you've learned something recently or, or you have a an emergency situation due to wind direction and you have to to figure something out and make a play and hang a stand. Have you ever done that? And if you have, do you do a different approach, like get a vehicle as close to it as you can and leave it running? Any advice on that kind of thing? Well, actually, you know, I'm getting ready to do that tomorrow. I'm, uh, I've got a property in Ohio that I, since I'm tagged out in Illinois, I, I can't sit out the 7th and 8th. I, I've got to go hunt somewhere. So I'm going to Ohio to hunt this property, and it's a new property. I do have a couple of stands there already, but uh, I really need a couple more for, for various wind directions. So I'm driving tomorrow. should get there uh, about lunchtime, and if the wind direction is not right for the, uh, the the two stands that are there, I've got a couple of extra lone wolf stands with me that I'm going to uh, do a quick scouting mission around some food sources and, and get one up. Sure. And I, I ask that selfishly. I, I find myself in that precarious situation and, and shamefully asked it uh, anyway. And I can get a vehicle fairly close to the spot, and I didn't know if you had thoughts on, on that, leaving it running to you know, kind of inhibit some movement in the area just in the time frame that you're, that you're hanging the stand. And then secondly, maybe if you thought uh, a rain system would help in masking your presence a little bit as well. Yeah, that, that works for a, a day with high winds. Um, high winds usually suppress deer movement, but it also will cover noises you make. So a windy day is a good day to go in and hang a stand. But when the seventh and eighth, it doesn't matter what the weather is. I mean, the, the better movement will take place on cooler days, but, uh, even if it's warm, the deer are going to be moving to some degree. All right, Don, so we've covered the 7th and the 8th, and we covered somewhat lockdown period. Um, but as you mentioned before, you get a little bit closer to the uh, toward the end of November, and I don't know if you want to even throw a date out there on that, but there's a there's that time frame when the Bucks have, uh, you know, they've, they're not locked down necessarily with any does, and they, they've probably, most of the does have been bred, but they're still kind of frantically searching for, some doe that may be in still that they can uh, they can meet up with. So they you know some bigger deer get on their feet. And I I think around you know around our area it typically is around the 20th of November, maybe to to the 25th somewhere in that time frame is what I've seen myself personally. But 
Um, what do you see? When do you think those dates hit? And how are you approaching those hunts? Are you kind of going back to how you would hunt the pre-rut? Yeah, exactly. I'm going back to what I would do in the pre-rut, and the dates basically is that last week of November. Um, say about you almost had it right. I mean, I'd say the 23rd, 22nd, somewhere in there to the last of the month. I even my biggest buck was actually killed on December 1st, and uh, he was out searching for does um, tail end of the rut. So. And, you know, individual bucks are, are going to quit their search in a different, and they're not all going to just shut off like flipping a light switch, but it's going to slowly taper off uh, once you hit December. But, um, well, actually before that, the last few days of, of November, it's going to taper off. But, you know, around Thanksgiving, Thanksgiving weekend is a great time to kill a giant buck. There was a period, uh, it's been uh, probably close to 20 years ago now, but, for five consecutive seasons, the biggest buck I seen from a stand each of those seasons happened on Thanksgiving weekend, five years in a row. And that's not a coincidence. Uh, legendary bow hunter Roger Rothar from Ohio, um, he passed away about a year ago, but uh, that guy taught me a lot, you know, as a young hunter. Had some of the best books out there uh, back in the early 1980s. Um, he always said that th- Thanksgiving weekend was the best time of the year for the biggest bucks out there. Uh, a lot of times the, the really big bucks, they're slow to get started in the rut. They don't, you know, the seventh and eighth is a good time to kill them, but they're not running on around, you know, that first week of, of, uh, November much. Uh, they'll do it a couple of days right before the does come in. But then at the tail end of the rut, they, they don't want to give up. They don't want to stop. They've been breeding does for, a couple of weeks and they're not ready to quit yet and they know it's about over for another year so it's almost like they're they're out there desperately searching for that lost doe and i think that's a period of time when most bow hunters overlook it but you know and a lot of us get off work four days for that thanksgiving weekend uh, i just encourage people don't give up if you've got those days off be out in the woods that's the time to kill the biggest buck around you know, that's interesting you say that because it seems like to me that the deer hunting community in large kind of, they're, they're generally kind of burnt out at that point. And they, they just, there's a lot of guys that don't even, they're like, eh, I'm done. You know, I mean. They, They'd rather eat turkey and stuff their face. They're, they're moving on to watching football and, uh, you know, maybe shoot a doe or just go ahead and settle for a small buck or you know, doing something like that, but um, that kind of completely goes against the grain of what uh, most deer hunters are doing. Oh, you're absolutely right. You know, most uh, deer hunters, they jump the gun. They want to, I can't tell you how many articles I've read about Thanksgiving or Halloween bucks that last week, October. I just keep hearing it. Every year, you pick up a magazine and somebody's written an article about the last week of October, Halloween bucks. So everybody jumps the gun. You know, just today I was here. I heard about a couple of guys had posted on social media that their vacation's over and now they got to go back to work and it's just getting good. Well, you yeah. know, that's crazy. It's the same time every year. Anybody that's taken has a week of vacation and they're taking it around Halloween is making a huge mistake. And uh, so everybody jumps the gun. And, you know, I recently wrote about uh, one of the biggest. Uh, factors that, that separates the guys from consistently kill who consistently kill big bucks year after year from the rest of the deer hunting community 
is discipline. Uh, I used to think it was passion. I thought uh, those guys had a degree of passion that others couldn't comprehend, but I don't think that's the case at all. There's a lot of very passionate deer hunters, but most of them don't have the discipline it takes to do things like not rush to your best stands around Halloween. Um, you, you need to wait and don't burn yourself out. Don't, you know, I talk about it in my rut report. Don't start getting out of bed every morning in October because you're by the middle of, of uh, November, you're going to be totally burned out and you're going to miss some of the best hunting. You know, uh, maybe maybe JP and I have learned a little bit here over the I think we have. <laughs> the it's, it's been night and day for us, uh, you know, what we've basically done on our uh, Kentucky property this year. Um, we've uh, we hung sets uh, January, February, places that we you know we kind of learned from last year and haven't and we, been back. We haven't been back at all. And I tell you, we we were just talking about in the uh, opening of the show how the quality of our hunts so far in November have been far and away much better than they have been any time previous on these farms off the charts for our area i mean it it might not be off the Mm -hmm. charts for you know a bread basket in in illinois or you know kansas or somewhere but i mean seeing 20 plus deer in a day is pretty darn good yeah i mean we've been seeing of course a lot of these are younger bucks but i mean we've been seeing 15 to you know 15 to 20 bucks a day you know and and i'm talking Mm -hmm. different bucks you know so um it's uh it's been good and and we're starting to get into uh i saw i passed a buck this morning that uh maybe a four-year-old maybe a three-year-old i'm not really sure 100 percent on that but pretty good deer and um he got the pass this morning because we know we've got much better there well we've got a half dozen really quality shooters you know and that's the that's the thing. Mm-hmm. So, Donna, before we let you go, we do want to give you an opportunity to talk a little bit about Chasing Giants and where people can keep up with that, along with Higgins Outdoors, Real World Wildlife Products, and everything else you've got your hands on right now. And if they're not reading the magazines, you've had some some great articles the last couple issues uh, out there, North American Whitetails. So uh, kudos to you on those as well. Well, thank you. Um, yeah, if anyone wants to follow the rut report, uh, just go to my uh, Facebook page, and I've got two Facebook pages. I've got a private page, or a personal page, rather, uh, where Facebook limits me to 5,000 friends, and I'm at that limit, so I can't accept anybody, but if you go to my Higgins Outdoors Facebook page, Don Higgins slash Higgins Outdoors, um, anyone can like and follow that page, and that's where my daily rut report is at. Um, you can also follow that page to stay up with on the Chasing Giants podcast. Every time there's a new podcast recorded, I'll uh, post a link there on that page uh, where anyone can see it, and uh, you can listen to the podcast. Um, one unique thing about this podcast is we take uh, listener-submitted questions. You can go to ChasingGiants.com and submit your question and you know we've been answering about three different uh, folks questions on each episode and if we answer your question we'll send you a free chasing giants uh, t-shirt which those look so, really uh, cool know, we by the talk way about, those are neat what's that i said which those look really cool by the way so anybody that's well, listening to our show right now you need to if you haven't yet listened to uh their podcast you know check it out for sure and uh like Don said, uh, submit some questions because those those T-shirts are pretty awesome, and I'm I'm assuming that a guy could probably buy one of those, Don, if he wanted to. 
Yeah, they're for sale on the website as well. Just go to chasinggiants.com. Um, you, you can find the episodes there. You can find the T-shirts there, and you can submit your questions there. And uh, that, that is part of my personal website, too, Higgins Outdoors. So uh, once you're on that Chasing Giants page, uh, you can go to any of the uh, other pages and, and buy my books or learn more about my consulting service or, or anything that I'm involved with. Well, there, there's no off-season for you, Don, anymore. I think everything is pretty well pedal to the metal. It is. You know, I'm getting a little bit older. I'm 56 this year, so uh, I don't know how many seasons I've got left, and I'm going to go full tilt until I can't go anymore. So I'm hoping i got another giant or two under my, or out there waiting for me somewhere. I think, I think a wise man once said success will keep you young, and you got plenty of that going on right now. Yeah, I have no doubt that there's some more giants around the corner for you. Well, I hope so for sure. All right, Don, hang with us through the break. You're listening to Pro Talk Outdoors. All right, we're just about ready to put a bow on this. Uh, I knew what he was going to say. I knew what Don's two favorite days are. And I swear my opinions are based on my own experience, but doggone it, you can't help but believe the stuff that he says. Well, here's the thing. We've had we've had enough of uh, a long enough relationship with Don and, um, and close enough relationship with Don we know what you know we kind of know what he's going to say yeah it makes and, for a good episode but, and, yeah. and we we know that he's right but man we got to make sure that we it's reinforcement to me like if because i play these games in my head like grasping at straws i always i always kind of second guess myself or yep. overthink the situation 100%. and it's really reinforcing to hear a guy like don come on and say you hunt the downwind the downwind side of doe bedding areas don't overthink it. You don't have to call a lot, which I, I've been calling some this first part of the month. And it, it like when he said, you know, for, gadgets. Yeah, leave 20, those gadgets for everybody for, else. Yeah, for every uh, for every one mature buck you rattle in, you probably booger up twenty more. And I'm thinking, oh, oh Dave Dunn screwed that one up. <laughs> you, but you reached exponential <laughs> levels over the weekend. Oh yeah, I did, man. You, you rattled did. more than an old jalopy. <laughs> but it, you know, it, it's uh, is it's nice to. To kind of uh, reaffirm that our approach is is on target, and uh, you know, we've heard it said by many different successful guys on this podcast. You know, and, and I think Bill Winky says it probably the most often that this is not a sprint; this is a this is a marathon. Absolutely. And um, right now, I feel like even though we haven't filled a buck tag we're probably doing pretty well in the marathon. I, I think we are. I think we're poised. And I, I've said it to several folks over the the last few days. Everybody of mine that, that deer hunts has just been blowing me up more than ever before. I don't know if if they're more excited or they're paying attention to Pro Talk Outdoors or anything else. I, I've just been constantly blown up. I mean, I can't hardly put the phone down, but everybody keeps saying the same stuff. Oh, my gosh, I feel like I'm behind. I feel like I'm behind. All these guys are shooting these good bucks. What should I do? What should I do? Man, that's that social media monster that you, it, it is. sucks. It's the social media monster, and it, it's just so true, though, that even us, even ourselves, grasping at straws to a certain extent, looking for affirmation that the decisions we're making are correct. But the beauty of deer hunting is you don't know they're correct until, until you succeed. You succeed. It, it's funny. You know, my hunt this morning, you were at work. I was hunting. Mm-hmm. We're, you know, 
where we should be. <laughs> As it but, does happen sometimes this but, time of but year. It, it was a set that you and I had went in and hung a new Just set. Just a couple weeks ago. Yeah, and so we were sitting there discussing. Every time I would see a deer, I was texting you and letting you know what the, where the deer was, what it was doing, what kind of deer it was. And we were we were sitting there. I don't know about you, but I was second-guessing the stand location. Mm-hmm. I was. Um and thinking, man, I don't know if we're in the right spot. You know, I just, yep. just based on everything that I was seeing. But then, you know, as the morning progressed and the more mature deer started doing what we thought they would do, it w- it felt really good to reaffirm that decisions we had made were the right ones. Yep. At least as far as today's hunt was, they were the right decisions. And well, we stood 20 feet below where you sat and said, well, we envision this, this, and this, and all of those things have happened exactly for you what happened. today. Yeah. Uh, and, you know, the other beautiful part of it, and I think we've both evolved sort of at the same time in this regard over the years, is when we were discussing these things, we were asking each other questions and prompting things at a much different level and, and thought process than what we used to. Instead of, oh, man, well, how big was he? And, you know, do you think there's another one behind him? It was, okay, well, what wind direction is going to be best for that stand? Where did he come from and where was he going? What turns did he take? Because that is truly the, the indicator, not was he a biggin'. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So uh, it's just a beautiful time of year. It's exciting. Uh, I'm a terrible employee right now. I'm just going to admit it. If my boss listens, I'm not as productive as I would be on a normal basis because my head is just somewhere else, man. I'll write you a permission slip. Well, yeah, you're going to ride it from the tree? <laughs> yep. Too funny. Hey, if you guys aren't in the woods this coming weekend or whenever this posts this weekend, because I think it's going to be great for two or three more weekends, then uh, why are you even listening to this podcast? You're not a deer hunter, are you? Get out there. Have some fun, man. Until next time, hook them or hunt them. Pro Talk Outdoors. Later, guys. Later, guys.